So I don't have, um, I don't plan on today's message being really long, but I, I want to leave us going into the rest of today through tomorrow, reflecting on the birth of Christ with some thoughts that the Lord began really stirring in me this last week. And I want us to look at Christ the Lord born in a manger, a manger in Bethlehem and a manger in your heart. I want you to see your heart as a manger, a place where Christ is born in you. I love the story of Christ being born in a manger, placed in that manger, the vulnerability, the, the move that he had to take from all of glory to come and not just appear in a manger, but submitting himself to the gestation process, if I may say it that way. This is the king of all the universe chose to be confined for nine months in a mother's womb. Does that blow anybody else away? Talk about wonder. The wonder of it all. But he wants to do that in you. In Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, in the New King James, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace. I want you to hear that. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Listen to it in the Passion Translation. A child has been born for us. Is that not amazing? Born for us. Born for you. Born for me. Born for our sons and daughters, our grandchildren. Born for us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete Dominion will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be the Wonderful One, the Extraordinary Strategist. <laughs> I love it. The Mighty God, the Father of Eternity, the Prince of Peace. Great and vast is his dominion. He will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity continues great and vast is his dominion he will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity he will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it by promoting justice and righteousness that's what we're supposed to do from this time forward and forevermore the marvelous passion 
that the Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies, has for his people, will ensure that it is finished. In the midst of all of the intensity of the days in which we live, personally, in families, in communities, in our nation, in the nations of the world, in the midst of it, these verses let us know that it's not our efforts, it's his zeal. It's his passion. It's his intention. It's what he intended from the beginning and what he said he will do, he will do. Sometimes we get so caught in the swirl. We get so caught up in the difficulties. We get so caught up in the life is hard. Anybody else ever had times when you've just said life is hard? The Lord told me a few years ago, quit saying that. And it's not to deny the difficulties, he said, but when you decree that life is hard, you are going to reap life is hard. Stand on what I've said. Stand that I said what I have said I will accomplish. Everything I've spoken over you, I will accomplish. And a lot of times, folks, what we do is God said, I'm going to do this, and we go over here talking about what's, what's going on in our natural arena, rather than believing, and so we're actually fighting against the thing God said. Out of our mouth come blessings and curses should not be. We need to learn how to guard our mouth. And the only way to guard your mouth is to guard your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So God's asking us, let me come be born in your heart. Now, I know the majority of us, if not all of us in this room, are born again. But the reality is we don't always act like it. We don't always live according to the Christ who is in us. We let our mind, our will, our emotions, our soulless nature get the best of us. And instead of being led by the Spirit, we get led by our flesh. And do you know what your soul does? Your soul simply follows one or the other. The soul is not bad in and of itself. God created us with a mind, a will, and emotion so that we would have a vehicle by which to demonstrate His Spirit. But so much of the time, what we do is we get so bombarded in the flesh, in the carnal nature, in who we are and what's going on around us and how people are acting and how bad traffic is and how people don't treat you the way you want to be treated. And we get caught up in this flurry, right? And around here, we got lots of reasons to get caught in flurry with traffic. I mean, let's just get real. But we got to bless the, bless the people around us. And we can't let that pull us out of the spirit. Don't get pulled away from the place where Christ dwells on the inside of you. 
In Luke 2, 6, and 7, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. In our culture right now, there's basically a no vacancy sign. There's no room in the end for Jesus. But see, there's room in your heart. There's room in the manger of your heart. And if Christ is in you, wherever you go, you carry him. So they may be putting up a no vacancy sign, but guess what? You walk in to go have dinner. You walk in to go buy your groceries. You walk in to sit at a dinner table where they're saying Christ isn't welcome here, but you're there, therefore Christ is there. See, the brilliance and the wonder of God sending a baby into a manger and then telling us, my heart is your throne, is such a picture for us that we sometimes, in our looking at the story of history, we miss the impartation of revelation for today. See, he was born in a manger. But he's saying, I want to be living and born in the manger of your heart so that your heart becomes my throne. So that the increase of my government never ceases because it's in me, in you, on you, therefore go. Instead of looking and going, everything's crazy and there's no hope. Remember, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the wonder of Christ in you. Luke 2, 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. See, when he came into that manger in Bethlehem, it looked like an out-of-the-way place. It looked like a place unfit for a king. But when he showed up, it became a palace. When he showed up on that hillside into the place that was David's, historically, where he was born, that was David's field. It became the cradle for a king. It became the seat of government. It became the place of the Lord to be. When the king comes into you, when we give him the full place in us, he is Lord. He's not a baby. Even when he was a baby, he was still Lord. He was still Lord. It never changed. In, first, in Colossians 1, 27 to 29, says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Say mystery. What I'm talking to you today about is the mystery of Christ. 
the mystery of Christ being born in a manger, of the mystery of Christ being born again in you among the Gentiles. Folks, that's us. Those who didn't know God now get to know him. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor striving according to his working, which works mightily in me. See, anything that works mighty in us, it's Christ. We can't take credit for anything that works mighty in us. I did not get enough response. Do we really get it? I don't tell, care how gifted, talented, or anything else you are. If it's not Christ working in you, it's not mighty. It's just not. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the strength of life. It's Christ in you. You live by Christ, not by you. And part of what we've got to move into, and I'll say this for 2024, we have to move in to a greater reality of I have been crucified with Christ. I have been. Problem with us is we tend to go, I'm crucified with Christ today and get off of the cross tomorrow. I want to go live it my own way. I want to do my own deal. My flesh is screaming and I'm going to go do what I want to do instead of living crucified. It, but, hallelujah is right. But see, he gives us the grace to live crucified. And look, I am not pointing fingers at anybody because if you point fingers, most of them are pointed back at you. Okay? We all need to come into this. Listen to Colossians 1 in the Passion. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. Can I ask you just a real honest question? When you gather with family and friends tomorrow, are you flooded with an expectation of glory? We should be. We absolutely should be flooded with an expectation of glory. What does that look like? I'm not sure I know. How's that for being honest? <laughs> but we should be, because what is glory? Glory is the manifestation of the living God that's on the inside of you. And it's going to look different in every scenario. It may not look like you testifying or preaching. Probably won't. Probably won't. It looks like glory manifesting when somebody gets on your last nerve and you are kind. <laughs> oh, isn't that glory? I mean, that feels like glory to me. <laughs> 
or you, or you bake your, your pie and everybody cuts into it and instead of it being a nice firm lemon meringue, it's runny. And you look at it and go, oh well, it'll taste good. <laughs> Happened yesterday, by the way. <laughs> you know, think about what does glory look like in your scenario? where by his spirit, you're able to just bring peace into the room. To respond in joy rather than in tension and consternation and responding back the way other people are responding to you. Let's go on with this. And it says, the mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it see I believe God so wants to fill us and fill us as a treasure chest with his glory and his majesty and his love and his splendor and his joy and his peace. So much so that people look at us and wonder, how is it that in the midst of everything they know is going on in your life, you're walking in peace and love and joy? That's wonder. That's allowing the treasure chest of hope to be opened up for others. Just say this, say, I am a treasure chest of hope. Not, oh, what a picture. Christ is our message. And we've all heard it said, sometimes the best message that's ever preached is not with words but with action. Preach to awaken hearts. Bring everybody into a full understanding of truth. Let that be your inspiration and passion. And don't think about ministry as what we do here. Think about ministry as in serving others. Think about ministry as in paying attention to what's going on around you and how can you Come alongside and maybe sit down next to somebody on a sofa that looks like they're disengaging. And maybe sitting down and coloring a picture with some child that is upset. Because they feel the tensions of Christmas just like we do. They're going through things that we may or may not understand. They've got emotions just like we do and haven't learned how to mask them as well as sometimes we've learned to mask ours. Come alongside. Let the treasure chest of hope in you be opened. Let, your, let the power of God flow through you in the simple ways. Simplicity can be very profound. It can unlock hearts that would have otherwise been locked. Present to everyone the revelation of Jesus. See, Christ born in you 
is born to live according to the order of Melchizedek. I heard the Lord speak that to me this morning as I was getting ready. He said, I want you to tell my people that I don't simply want to be born in their heart to bring them into salvation. I want to be born in their heart so that they might come into the order of Melchizedek with me. See, we've looked at Jesus in the manger as a baby came to save, and he did. But he also came as Lord. And a Lord is one who rules as a king. So he came as Lord and king. Lord of lords, king of kings. And Melchizedek, this is Genesis 14, king of Salem, Brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Let that phrase get you. Possessor of heaven and earth. He fully occupies. He's not relegated into a corner. He possesses it all. It's his. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Hallelujah. And Abram gave him a tenth of all. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give to me and take the goods for yourself. And it's interesting. He said, nope, not happening. Not happening. Let's go on with this king of Melchizedek. Revelation 1, 5, and 6, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us, what? Kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we, say we, we, shall reign on the earth. It's who we are. It's who we are. Wednesday, when we were here at noon prayer, we went into a time of intercession over prodigals, over those who do not yet know the Lord or have wandered astray. Oh, shoot, I'm looking for something that I need. Give me just one second. And this phrase came out of me as I was, as I was praying. But the prodigals, those who are estranged from God, those who have gone away, they're not looking for a tomb. 
They're looking for a manger. And what I saw in that was religion has presented a dead tomb, a place of captivity, a place of bondage, a place that's lifeless. Because religion will always cause you to feel like you're wrapped up in grave clothes. And a lot have fled and run because they saw Jesus in a manger turning in to a tomb that took all life away. Which is exactly the opposite. I mean, it's diametrically the opposite of what Jesus in a manger was supposed to bring us into life and life more abundant. And yet, rules, regulations, and religion has taken us into a form and a structure that's more like the Judaism of the days of Jesus that he confronted. The rules, the regulations, the, the bitterness, the anger, the wanting to be free. I'm just going to say this from the political oppression. They were more interested in that than they were the Savior that was walking among them. God, let us not be that. So in our journey... Most of us didn't know anything other than what we were raised with. We knew the religious traditions, and there's many of them that were really good because they laid a foundation in us that helped us to know the way to walk. It got us to the place of knowing the Word of God, but it was through this religious filter of God doesn't speak today. Or this religious filter of God doesn't manifest glory today. Or he doesn't do miracles today. Or this or that. And it's so many rules and regulations. And so much oppression and bondage. That took the joy of life away. See, Christ came and gave joy. Religion comes and takes joy away. Religious people can be some of the meanest people on the planet. God forgive us for where we've been that. For real. Because in that bondage, what we did is we pushed a lot of people away from Jesus. Because they're like, and I said this as a 15-year-old. I remember it like it was yesterday. God, if this is what church is like, I'm going with the world. Found out that wasn't such a good idea. But I also, that's an authentic statement. It's an authentic statement for many who are wandering astray and going, you want me to come to church? Are you kidding me? You want me to hang out with Christians? Come on. Is it not the truth? We should be the most joyous people on the planet. And not be so stuffy that we can't have a good time. 
So Sunday, Wednesday, when we were in prayer, and I, that phrase came out of me, they're not looking for a tomb. They're looking for a manger. I looked back at Trey, who was here working on Wednesday, and I said, there's a song in those words. I mean, isn't that about, I was about that blunt. <laughs> but I heard it. And I didn't know if he had write it or if he'd get with Nate or with somebody. I didn't know. I just knew there was a song in those words. By the next day, Trey sent me these words. A song has been written. And by next Christmas, if not before, we'll be doing this. And I even, it's going to be recorded and put out before next December. In the darkest of nights, lost and alone, chasing hollow dreams, hearts turn to stone. But grace calls us home where love is born, a manger's embrace where hope is sworn. They don't want to come to a tomb. They long for a manger's womb. A baby's cry. A star's bright gleam. Where hope awakes from the deepest dream. We've strayed far away seeking our way. Yet mercy finds us. Never leads astray. In the arms of the father a prodigal's place. Redemption's story Restoring grace. So lay down your burdens. Lay down your pride. In the humblest of places. His love does reside. The manger's pure light dispels all our gloom. For in his cradle our salvation blooms. They don't want to come to a tomb. They want to become a manger. We don't want to come to a tomb. None of us want to be in a tomb. And Jesus showed us what he thought about a tomb. He split it wide open. And in some ways, even that tomb became a manger for the birthing of the church. The birthing of generations yet to come. To know Christ in us. The hope of glory. Nathaniel. What an amazing gift. Of Christ being born. That you and I might be born again. And that Christ might be born anew in us. I don't know about you, but I want a greater expression in me of Christ living in me. Of the wonder. Christ 
wonder, of his love, of his joy. That Christ in us so changes us. That there's evident glory through us. There's evident glory upon us. There's evident love flowing out of us that would touch the hearts that have been cold like stone. I believe the way we move into that is the word says in Psalm 22, I believe it is Christ is enthroned on the praises of his people. As we worship, the more we worship, the more he's enthroned on us. The more your heart becomes a manger that manifests as a throne. If we do that individually, what happens when we move in that arena together? I want you to stand. I told Nathaniel the way I wanted us to end today was in worship. Because my prayer for us as we go out and into these next days and even moving into 2024, that we go fully captivated with Christ the Lord, the newborn King. We live so captured by the wonder of who He is that worship fills our lives in everything that we do. That whatever we do in word or deed is presented to the Lord as a worship. Expression of our heart of love to Him. So let's worship the Lord together and I bless you to have the most glorious beautiful Christmas.
may all who call upon your name be a reflection, a demonstration, a manifestation of your grace and your glory in the earth. Let the treasure chest of hope be unlocked in us and pour out through us to touch those around us and see the world welcome Christ the Lord, our King, King forever. We glorify you, Lord. We give you all the glory and the honor now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Love on somebody and have a very merry and blessed Christmas. We'll see you next week.